Hey guys, welcome to the High Capacity Podcast brought to you by Arms Corps, Rock Island Armory, Right to Bear Insurance, and of course, Spartan Armor. I am of course your host, Paul Glasgow, the truth pimp, the one and only truth pimp. Guys, we got a lot of stuff to go over today. We are going to, of course, talk with a extremely special guest, Chris Tonto Peranto of 13 Hours fame, Benghazi fame. Not the kind of fame you probably want to be known for, but nevertheless, a true American patriot that was involved in all of the Benghazi mess. And, of course, we're going to break down the State of the Union address by the vegetable-in-chief, Joe Biden. We're going to talk about a lot of the mistruths and a lot of the things that he lied about in the State of the Union, more notably concerning the Second Amendment. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Paul Glasgow here with the High Capacity Podcast. Let's get rolling. Hey, friends, as of late, especially, I try my best to ignore what's happening in politics, mainly because when you see the level of stupidity and ineptitude that comes from mainly the D.C. area, but more specifically the White House, it, it can be frustrating. It, you begin to lose a little bit of confidence in your country. And this, of course, is a country that I love, and I know many of you out there love as well. So I, try, I don't want to lose confidence in my country. So sometimes I'll back off all the politics a little bit just because I'm like, you know what, I don't even want to hear it. Um, as long as I can keep my family safe, uh, I'm going to be okay you know, and put food on the table, which that's questionable at this point with the rate of inflation and uh, the scarceness of food. But nevertheless, whenever you have a president with the IQ of an extremely smart potato, it wears at you. And when you when you see them stand in front of the American people, knowing that allegedly 80 million people voted for this guy, you realize how many stupid people we have in this country. So you understand to a certain degree why he panders to his base like he does, because they want to be lied to. And let me rephrase that. They may not want to be specifically lied to, but they want to hear the things that he's saying because there's they want to believe they voted for the right guy. So, in the back of their minds, they probably know they're being lied to, but they're like, okay, well, if he's saying it, it's got to be true. Why would he lie to me? Well, with the State of the Union, oh my God, the level of mistruth that came out of that. I, I'm i not even going to go into everything. I, I will touch briefly uh, for a moment on what he said about uh, opening up the Strategic Reserve. He mentioned that he was going to save the day and open up the strategic reserve by releasing 30 million barrels of oil. Wow! Whoa! That is a big number. That's going to get us out of this mess, right? We won't see $4 a gallon of gas with 30 million barrels of oil pumped into our system, right? I mean, that's really going to revitalize the system. Okay. Again, pandering to the base. Knowing that his base is kind of stupid and don't have the desire to do any kind of real uh, digging into his numbers to see if they're true or not, they're likely not going to know that the United States of America uses about 22 million barrels of oil a day. So your boy Joe Biden is releasing 30 million barrels and we, used, we use 22 million barrels a day. 
So essentially he's buying us about a day, not quite a half of relief. The price of gas the following day after Joe Biden released this miraculous 30 million gallons of oil, barrels of oil, it actually went up. So Biden did absolutely nothing. In fact, by releasing the 30 million gallons, uh, excuse me, barrels, I keep saying gallons, I apologize for that. But by Joe Biden releasing 30 million barrels of oil, he more than likely sent a message to speculators and anybody else that has any real control on the price of oil. He essentially sent a message to them saying that, look, guys, this is the best I can do. I'm not planning to do anything more. So he sent a worse message by releasing 30 million barrels than he would have by not releasing anything and maybe lying about it and saying, my intention is to release 300 millions of barrels at some point, just not right now. At least that would have kept the speculators thinking that maybe there was going to be some legitimate release, uh, relief coming at some point. Well, clearly he sent his message that this is the best I can do. I'm not tending to do anything more, so take it or leave it. So, of course, that didn't impact the price of oil one bit. Again, it may have worked negatively. It certainly did not have a positive impact on it. So, again, that's just a level of lies that or dished out by this White House. And I know politicians in general, this is not a Democrat or Republican thing. Politicians lie. We know that. But the level of lies that they will say with a straight face, I mean, if I'm going to BS somebody, I'm probably going to look off camera, wink at them a little bit, just so you know that I'm not really serious about this. Like, okay, I know you know that I'm lying. So here's my hint, hint, wink, wink to you. They don't even do that. I mean, they do this with a complete straight face. But let's get into the Second Amendment lies. That's more specifically what I want to talk about. First up, of course, is the ever so scary ghost guns. Let's listen to Biden's clip on ghost guns. And we'll do everything in my power to crack down on gun trafficking of ghost guns that you can buy online. Assemble at home. No serial numbers. Can't be traced. Okay, ghost guns. You can buy online. Can be assembled. Can't be traced. First of all, what's wrong with somebody assembling a firearm? Innocent people, law-abiding people, do it every day in huge numbers. That's clearly and obviously where the bulk of the customers are from. Would somebody seek to do this illegally? Ah, yeah. I mean, maybe as a hobby, not as a revenue stream in the criminal underworld because they get their guns in the first place by stealing them. So why would they ever pay for a, quote, ghost gun kit to have to finish and assemble themselves when they could just go steal what they want? In other words, it's kind of a bad business decision for a criminal to buy a ghost gun when they could just steal a gun. Do you think they care that there's a serial number uh, on there? No, they don't. Why would they? They're committing crimes with it. It's not like they're going to be in the commission of a crime, a murder, or an armed robbery, and somebody goes, wait a minute, hold up, stop, stop what you're doing right there. Dude, you have a gun with no serial number on it. Or you have a gun that you've scraped the serial number off of. Whoops, my bad. I quit. What difference does it make? It does not make a difference. A criminal, a serial number on a criminal's gun has no bearing on anything. 
Now, the only reason why a non-serialized gun makes a difference to a criminal is if he's already killed somebody with it, and that particular gun has already been tied to the murder or can be tied to the murder, and he still has the gun, and he doesn't want to be tied back to that gun in case he's arrested for a future crime that might tie him back to that murder. But what's he going to do? Well, of course I don't want to get tied to that. I'm not ditching the gun just going to grind the serial numbers off. Once you do that, they can't trace it anyway. So I guess you could trace it through the rifling. Let me back up on that. I don't want to seem like I'm being like the left and passing out mistruths here. Um, yeah, you could have the rifling that could potentially tie it back, but that means you have to actually be able to get um, the round fired, which, you know, you may be able to tie it back to that. But nevertheless, believe me, the amount of thought that I just went through is not what criminals go through whenever they determine if I'm going to spend my own hard-earned money buying a ghost gun versus spending no money to steal a serialized gun that I can just wipe the serial numbers off of. And again, it's a very good chance that the gun that they stole if they stole it from a law-abiding citizen, that citizen was, by definition, law-abiding. So there's no serial number, uh, excuse me, there's no, no murder to tie back to a serial number. So it's a clean gun in terms of what the criminal's looking at. So again, there's no benefit to a, quote, ghost gun to a criminal. So what it is, it's aimed at us. That's my long way to get to this point of the story, is that it's aimed at us. They don't want us having these guns. They don't want us building these guns. And you might be thinking, well, why? We're law-abiding citizens. They want to have a registry, just like the ATF just recently got busted with 900 million documents, files that showed that they knew where 900 million guns were, excuse me, 900 million purchases of guns because there were 4473s, background checks, that they had held on to and 800 and something thousand of them, uh, excuse me, 800 and something million of them, they had digitally scanned. They want an electronic registry. Okay, so why do you want an electronic registry? It's not to save the world. I can assure you of that. And it's certainly not to what they say, and like Biden just said in his comment, it's certainly not to trace the weapon back to a crime. No, it's not. Guys, you, you probably are in the same boat as me. I've had weapons stolen from me, and I have submitted the actual serial numbers because I had all my paperwork on the firearms that were stolen. Have I ever received one? No. They were stolen by criminals, so there's a very good chance they've been used in crimes. It wasn't an innocent person that had no intention of committing a crime who stole them from me. They were criminals. None of those firearms have been, I've not been called. They've not been sent back to me, given back to me, recovered. I do get paperwork from the local PD once a year asking me if I've ever received my gun back. They are asking me if I've ever received it back, which unless I'm going out looking for it, I have no way to receive it back. That's their job to do that. So it's certainly not to trace the gun back to me to somehow do me a favor by returning my gun. That's never been the intent of, quote, tracing. The intent of tracing is to remove, confiscate guns. They want to know where every single firearm is. There is no other reason than to know where every firearm is, who bought it, and where they're located than to remove those firearms once you deem them illegal and eligible to be removed from that law-abiding citizen. 
That's the only reason why. Ghost guns, as they call them, are no nothing more than something that angers the anti-gun movement because that's one more group of guns that they simply don't have any way to potentially register. Because if they ever mandate a mandatory registry in the United States of America, a large amount of Americans, because they are law-abiding people, will simply raise their hands and say, this is my serial number, these are all the guns that I have. That's what will happen. And that's what their intent is. Their intent is, yes, they know these guns have been sold or purchased or built right now. But if they don't have a serial number, once they get what they their end game is to register all firearms and eventually confiscate them. So by them eventually reaching that goal of registration at some point, so they hope, there's no way to register that, quote, ghost gun. You're going to have to outlaw them. You're not going to convince people because who knows who has what. Yeah, there's probably a credit card registry that you could go into and find out where these kits wound up. That's the best you could do. But there's no way to trace the gun. You can't tell that. Yeah, Somebody could just say, I gave it to somebody. Who'd you give it to? I don't know. Gave it to a friend. So they're not going to have the thing they need to recover and remove those firearms. So they're hot and heavy after those. Let's move on to his next lie. Past universal background checks. Why should anyone on the terrorist list be able to purchase a weapon? Why? Why? This is a lie. Joe Biden knows this. Joe Biden knows that he is outright lying. Criminals who are on the terrorist watch list right now are probably already prohibited. And I'll follow up on this because there's two lists. There's a terror watch list and there's a no-fly list. They're purposely lying, conflating the two. The terrorist watch list has actual terrorists on it. Guys like who have who are confirmed. This is not an allegation. These are people who are terrorists and it's a terror watch list that only terrorists go on to. Those people will never be able to legally purchase a firearm in the United States. That's the list that he just said. Why would somebody on the terror watch list be able to purchase a gun? They can't. The man is lying. But they purposely use words, and they're, they're the wordsmiths of, of the best ever. Because what they're really alluding to, once they really tell you what they want, they're going to be talking about the no fly list. There is a no fly list. And the no fly list is, is about, I would say the, the requirement to be on the no fly list is no better than people who have been denied, even temporarily purchasing a firearm or uh, delayed, not denied, delayed purchasing firearm uh, by filling out a 4473 and having a background check and it's delayed. That's all it is because it's an incorrect delay on your background check. And in many cases, the no-fly list is littered with incorrect people's names on there. You may, may have a John Smith. In fact, a John Smith is more than likely going to be on the no-fly list because it's such a common name. There's a very good chance that a John Smith has also been delayed uh, purchasing a firearm because the odds that a John Smith, as common as that name is, the odds that a John Smith committed a crime somewhere and raises a red flag because they're trying to make sure that you are not that same John Smith. The odds of that happening are pretty good. 
which means that that same name is probably on a no-fly list. It's probably been used by a terrorist as an alias at some point to do whatever, to get an ID, a fake passport or something like that, and which places them on that no-fly list. Again, that no-fly list will prevent you from flying, but it does not mean that you are guilty of whatever. There's some... Uh, some, you know how that people debunk things. The fact checkers do. Fact checkers are definitely uh, as left leaning as they are. They lie about things all the time. And um, there's a story out there, a legitimate story about Senator Ted Kennedy, an awful, awful, horrible person. Senator Ted Kennedy was about as close as you come to being a terrorist without being an actual, by definition, terrorist. He was a horrible person. Killed that young lady in that car accident, driving drunk, ran off to his house got away with it. He was just a despicable person. I'm not one of these people that believes that once you die, all your sins are forgiven. I believe that once you die, you're still a despicable, sorry human being. You just happen to be dead now, and the world is a better place without you. We are in better shape without Senator Ted Kennedy walking the face of this earth. However, he is no terrorist. His name was on the no-fly list, not on the terror watch list. Don't get me confused like the left tries to do. His name was never on the terror watch list. However, there was a name, T. Kennedy, on the no-fly list. The reason why? It's because a person had used, a terrorist had used T. Kennedy as their alias. And they did whatever they did. I don't know what they did, but because they had used that name, Senator Ted Kennedy was prevented from flying. Now, he ended up making his flight because they proved it wrong. And he's a senator. Eh, you know, the elite, they get better privileges. You would not have been so lucky. If you are a T. Kennedy, there's a very good chance that you will not fly that day because you will not be able to make phone calls to the White House, the Pentagon, or wherever. You will be stuck. You will be driving, walking, riding a bus, riding a train. You probably won't be able to ride a train. So that's my point, that even a despicable person like Ted Kennedy did not deserve to not fly because he was not a terrorist. In fact, I'd rather Ted Kennedy fly than drive, to be quite honest with you. He's got actually a, a, a murder on his record from flying, so he's actually safer to the human public whenever he would have been flying on an airplane rather than been, being behind the wheel of an automobile. So, again, that's where um, Joe Biden is talking about why, why, why is anyone on the terror watch list allowed to buy a gun? That has nothing to do with, quote, universal background checks. These are two totally separate topics that he's trying to conflate and blend together incorrectly to try to get people to go, yeah, terrorists, yeah, so that they can say, we need universal background checks to keep the terrorists. We need Osama bin Laden off that airplane. I don't want him flying with me. They're focusing and targeting people out there that are going to react like that when in reality it's a complete lie. Again, that list, the no-fly list, is not tied to the Nick's background check system. So if, if Ted Kennedy were to try to purchase a firearm when he was still alive, unfortunately, when he was still breathing, he would not have been prevented because the no-fly list, rightfully so, is not tied to the Nick's background check system. They're trying to do that because then they're going to eliminate hundreds of thousands of people from purchasing firearms. It's just another way to keep legal law-abiding Americans from being able to purchase and possess firearms. Now, the background checks. Why do they want universal background checks, as they call them? Well, of course they want them because <laughs> that's, again, that's how they are able to trace every single gun. And at some point, if their end game is to get 
confiscation implemented, that's the only way to do it. Because that's your point of sale where you're actually purchasing that firearm legally. And some of the people who are making private sales out there are, quote, falling through the cracks because they're not having to, by law, they don't have to fill out a background check in order to do a private sale to a friend, family member. You don't have to do a private sale, fill out a background check if you're going to um, give uh, a will, one of your firearms to a family member, a son, somebody like that. They don't like that. They don't like the fact that there are private sales that cannot be traced. And again, if they weren't trying to have a registry and eventually confiscate firearms, then why do they care about that? They shouldn't. Hey, folks. Ban assault weapons with high-capacity magazines hold up 100 rounds. What? Vanis, ban assault weapons with high capacity. I can't even say it. I sound like Joe Biden now. Ban assault weapons with high capacity magazines. Zalopata 100 rounds. I'm pretty sure he said Zalopata. Ban assault weapons with high capacity magazines. Zalopata 100 rounds. Ban assault weapons with high capacity magazines. Zalopata 100 rounds. Okay, because they have said it so many times, we know what he's trying to say. Um, assault weapons, again, that's a word. That is not a thing. There are assault rifles, of course. Uh, any of you guys that know history and know the actual military use of the phrase assault rifle know that that is an intermediate rifle. And there is such a thing as that, but there is no such thing as assault weapons. Again, that's intended to scare their stupid base into thinking that there's some scary stuff out there. And of course, if you have more bullets, eh, well, it must be scarier. I would be willing to bet that the people of Ukraine, they do not have magazine capacity uh, restrictions over there. I would be willing to bet that they are grateful that even though their government is somewhat anti-gun and they were not, prior to all of this, allowed to have firearms at will, there was pretty strict standards to go through and you couldn't even have handguns. I'd be willing to bet they're real happy right now that their country is not littered with 10-round magazines, knowing that the Russians are at their doorstep or in their living room. Again, magazine capacity is one of the stupidest things that you could ever limit because the whole intent of a legal law-abiding American purchasing a firearm with a magazine is to have the great equalizer to be able to defend themselves at whatever cost, our goal is not to be equal to the criminal or attacker who is attacking us. Our goal is to be stronger and more deadly than the person attacking us. Therefore, we need more than what the criminal has. We don't need a level playing field when protecting our families. If they make a thousand round drum, I'm buying one because I want as much as I can have to protect my family. Joe Biden has protection from the federal government via taxpayer money that protects him day in, day out, while he is sleeping most of the day and while he is filling his diaper up. He doesn't have to worry about protecting his family because even the crackhead Joe Biden is protected by taxpayer money. So this man doesn't have a position when it comes to talking about what we need or don't need when it comes to protecting our families. You think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests? Shut up. Shut up, you stupid old fool. I'm so tired of that stupid joke. No one thinks it's funny. 
Even anti-gun people don't think that's funny. Even some anti-gun people that say the Second Amendment is about hunting, they know the Second Amendment is not about hunting. This old fool thinks he's funny by digging up the same old tired jokes that no one has ever laughed at before. The Second Amendment has zero to do with hunting. The, C- the Second Amendment has everything to do with our right that's recognized, not given to us, but it's recognized in the Constitution for us to keep and bear arms. It says nothing and means nothing about hunting. Now, hey, you know what the beautiful thing is? By us having that right to keep and bear arms, hey, if you want to go hunting, you can because you have the legal right to have guns. So guess what? If you want to use it to hunt, go right on ahead. That's just like saying the Second Amendment is about sports shooting. It's not. We just happen to have guns that we can have because of the Second Amendment. So we sports shoot just like we hunt. It's got nothing to do with hunting. Look, repeal the liability shield. It makes gun manufacturers the only industry in America that can't be sued. The only one. That is an outright lie. There's a 2005 law on the book that spells it out more clearly. But firearms manufacturers can and are sued all the time. They are sued on the grounds of a faulty, negligently built or uh, assembled product. If you use a firearm that is carelessly engineered, that gets somebody... Now, remember, there, I believe it was the Remington 700 triggers a while back? They were sued, obviously. If you purchase a firearm that is sloppily put together to where somebody's going to get killed, like a trigger that goes off by itself without anyone even touching the trigger, not an Alec Baldwin gun, an actual firearm that can fire by getting bumped, touched, or whatever. Or if you have one that when you shoot it, it blows up in your face, anything like that. You can be sued as a firearm manufacturer, and they are sued on the regular because of that. Just like anything else. You cannot sue a car manufacturer because the airbag blew up when you wrecked your vehicle. They're supposed to do that. Even if it hurts you, they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to blow up and protect you from being killed. However, if your airbag is defective or faulty, you can be sued. But if you purchase a a vehicle and drive it through a crowd of people, like what the left is wanting to do with guns if somebody shoots people, you can't be sued. Ford's never going to be sued because some wacko grabs a minivan and drives it through a parade and kills a bunch of people. They'll never be sued for that. That's stupid. That's stupid. Even ambulance-chasing attorneys would say that's stupid. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to completely ruin and do away with the firearm industry by convincing normal people who are rational thinkers into thinking that if somebody uses a firearm to kill somebody, you should be able to sue them. And of course, this is on the heels of the Remington situation where Remington being a dissolved company, there are four insurance companies that represent them in court just settled with the Sandy Hook 
attorneys and families for $73 million. That's why he's saying this, because he thinks he's got a little bit of momentum in the general public right now. So why not lie and mislead the general public into thinking that, hey, maybe we have an opportunity here to change this and make it to where there can be litigation to sue firearms manufacturers when a gun is simply used in the commission of a crime, which is one of the stupidest things ever. And I will fight to my death to make sure that doesn't happen because that's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. An example that I make on one of my uh, videos is that that's like somebody pouring muriatic acid over somebody's head and that person being able to sue the manufacturer of the muriatic acid as a result of it. But you know what's weird? You notice how Joe Biden said that the gun manufacturers and the gun industry are the only people in America who can't be sued? While that wasn't true, there really is one industry in particular that cannot be sued for faulty products. You know who that industry is? The pharmaceutical industry. Now, not across the board, but whenever they put out their shot for the vaccine for COVID, it's built in that they cannot be sued for any negative thing that happens. That's kind of weird, especially whenever Biden sat up there and praised pharmaceutical companies who used to be their enemy. And now he's praising them because he's made them all gazillionaires and praised them in a State of the Union address for new medication that he's going to use our tax money for to purchase and give to the American people. So we're on the hook for more. So now we are funding the ph pharmaceutical companies even more and they cannot be sued. Completely different than what he claimed the firearms manufacturers couldn't be sued. He's actually protecting the true group of people that cannot be sued. Guys, once again, want to thank Arms Corps Ammunition for being a partner on the show. The only ammunition I use, best range ammo I found. I sought them out, asked them to be a partner of mine, and they agreed, and I'm forever grateful for that. Rock Island Armory, great 1911s. Some of the best 1911s, especially for the prices you're going to find on the planet. Right to bear insurance. You, guys, you want to be protected out there. If you're going to carry a firearm, protect your families, or even have them at home, you want to have the best insurance in the event that you have to use that firearm. Right to bear insurance is the best place to find that. And, of course, Spartan Armor. Cool new giveaway that we're doing with Spartan Armor. Guys, you're going to find all the links to all these people in the description down below. All right, friends, the moment you've all been waiting for. My good friend Chris Tonto Peranto of 13 Hours fame. You'll remember Chris is one of the Benghazi guys, the contractors that fought off hundreds and hundreds of terrorists in Benghazi that Hillary Clinton said, what difference does it make whenever all this went down? Because they received zero support. What an awesome movie. What a great book. What a great American Chris is. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, buddy. Good to, good to be on again. Thanks for I know it's been a while. I've been a ghost lately, but I think that's going to be more and more, more and more like that as the years go on, as I kind of just kind of wind down and, and just try to live the good life without doing a lot of interviews anymore. But I always, always love being on your show. You always treated me right. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. You always well, did. The reason why is because you treat me right. <laughs> it's kind of a, <laughs> it's, it's a golden rule, right? Yeah, it, it is doing to others, man. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that is always the golden rule. I'm people. I think some people remember that. 
but I think they do also. They also forget it when I, I it's still the best, the best movie line I still have ever heard is that No Country for Old Men when Tommy Lee Jones says, "When Sir and Ma'am go, the rest are sure to follow." And ain't that the truth, man? Ain't that the truth? Yes. I don't think they realize how uh, deep that was whenever they wrote that. I know, because it's like, man, you are right. Chivalry's yep. dead. Uh, di- discipline's dying. I, I shouldn't say, you know, I, I live in an area, and, and even in my house, you know, you still see out here in the Midwest, uh, you do, you still see sirs and ma'ams. Not as much as I did when I was growing up in small town Colorado, but every once in a while, like yesterday, going to my little boy's soccer game, see a little seven-year-old hold the door for everybody. It's nice to see. Hmm. It's still, so, so it's still, it's still alive. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't downplay it too much because you still see it, but just wish you would see it more. Well, you bring up a good point. I remember I grew up down here in South Louisiana. So it was, if you didn't yeah. say, sir, ma'am, mom or dad smacked you in the back of the head. And uh, yeah. I was flying out to Charlotte. I used to work, had an office in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I remember landing in Charlotte and the shuttle bus lady, she was an older lady. So I hopped on and she asked me where my uh, rental car place was. And I told her, and I said something about yes, ma'am or whatever. And she turned and looked at me. She goes, Texas or Louisiana. I said, what do you mean? She goes, that's where you're from. I said, I'm from Louisiana. She goes, I knew it. Nobody else says yes, ma'am or no, ma'am. That is true. When they look at me and I say it, they say, they just assume military. Yeah. You in the army military. I said, yeah. Yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. I still do it. You know, I'm fifty, almost fifty-one years old. You still, it's just, it's how you should do things. You tre- again, golden rule. Treat others how you, how you wish to be treated. Yep. You know, and that's, you know, that's, and that's how it should be, man. Well, let's talk about what's keeping you busy right now. I know you've been doing Battle Line podcasts for quite some time yeah. now. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, a couple of years we've been going. I didn't even realize it been going so long. I, I, we had 123 episodes, and I know my buddy, my partner, that's on there who is on the show with me, and then he just, he does everything. Ian Scotto, a tremendous talent in the radio industry. He, he isn't in the podcast industry, just in the media industry. Uh, for those that don't know Ian Scotto, he used to, when Soft Rep Radio had that huge following, doing really well, him and Andrew Dwyer were running it. Um, you know, he was he was in charge of Soft Rep Radio, Hurricane Media. Before that, I actually had met him doing the Andrew Wilkow show. When I used to do Andrew Wilkow's and David Webb show, and used to do a lot of the serious serious stuff whether it was on patriot network or on another network there in serious and that's where i met him and and he said hey you want to do a podcast i'm leaving soft rep and i i kind of want to stop doing politics all the time and do something that's more inspirational i said well yeah let's let's do it we we're sitting in new jersey actually after a speaking event and that i did a couple years ago and, and it just we did it decided to get it done and it, it you know we, you had to find our our muse a little bit and I've never done it before. You you're you you know when you start doing this you don't know which route is going to go and what is our theme and, and but we always knew that we wanted to stay away from what everybody else was doing and not saying you but the mainstream media stay away from the politics the fightings the rights the lefts even though you know as good as I do that when you do get into the negative weeds like that fighting with the politics and fighting of who's right and who's wrong, you, you do get 10 more followers. You do mm-hmm. it's just give a bunch of listeners because it just seems that's what the world wants nowadays, which is why we're trying to get away from it and right. trying to get people back on target of of, of the path of, of Christianity, of faith, of acceptance, of turning the other cheek sort of thing. Yes, have your views and so forth, but let's not dwell on those things. And, and so that we can still, even with different opinions, we can still all get along and do and support each other and not try to tell everybody what to do. And he ends up, for example, Ian and I don't agree on everything. 
get back to the podcast. We did it. We started it. And mainly our guests are, are military veterans, people that I've known or worked with, which <laughs> after the last two years, like, man, I, I do know a lot of people that I've, I, I literally did the, the term where, Hey, I'm not a hero, but I've served with them. I've served with a ton of them. That's what I feel like. Like, man, I, I know a hero, but now I've served with a shitload of badass dudes and they come on the show, tell us about their, their trials and tribulations, whether it be being injured downrange, like our last, our, our second to last guest, Rob Jabber, good friend of mine, uh, military contractor, Blackwater. He was blown up by the, still to this date, one the largest car bomb that had ever hit Baghdad and killed the most people. And he was, he was ground zero. And uh, now the dude was, it's a tremendous story. And you know, have him on, but now see that he's also now running his own car company, has his own trucking business. You know, it just shows that just because you're injured, it's not allowed to keep you down. You know, we're he's still going to excel. And those right. kind of stories, trying to people where, you know, failure is just, or fail, I should say failure, but failing is just a step towards success. It's just, mm-hmm. hey, failing, whether you get blown up, and I shouldn't say that's a failure, but that's an injury. It's a severe setback, an obstacle. All you got to do is just keep fighting, never quit, keep moving forward, and you're going to overcome that obstacle. And that's what the podcast, our podcast, Battling Podcast, concentrates on is is the inspiration aspect of life, not letting differences or obstacles or a failing stop you. It's, say, hey, you know, this is just a chance to learn, get better, and overcome that and get stronger. So if you're faced with that trial and tribulation again, you're going to overcome it easier and easier. And that's, you know, that's essentially – my life as far as, and I won't get into it too much because, of, damn, I get into it enough, but not just Benghazi, but even before that, all the failings of getting kicked out of the military, of, of you know, just the difficulties of ranger school, fighting to get back in the military, even though I had to redo everything all over again. And, you know, the divorces, the divorces I went through, then trying to get my life back in order because I'd been doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, it's just that's the podcast theme and it took us about a year to figure that figure that out what's our theme well that's that's the theme that's what we're going to do but we do don't, don't get me wrong we do talk about stuff out there because we're not immune to it as much as i like to shelter myself and not know what's going on a lot of times because ignorance is truly bliss you, you can't get away from it i don't care where you go you can right be in the smallest town in in, in timbuktu and some you're still going to find out about the truckers and and their their plight against you know the the kindergarten teacher that out is running running the show in canada you're still going to hear about it and uh, and so we do get into those views too because there is a responsibility to get into that and get views so you're not just getting the garbage in garbage out from the cnns and the foxes and the news maxes and the mainstream media and, and well, i don't even I wouldn't even put NBC, MSNBC as a news media outlet. <laughs> At least right. those other three, I think, kind of, they, they still are news media. MSNBC is just a propaganda tool for the DNC. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but, um, but you know, you, we still got to touch them because I think, I think people need to hear, and this is the value of podcasts. And you and I kind of discussed this is the value of your podcast. This is the value of any podcast out there, whether, whether you believe in their ideology or you believe in what they're putting out there is that you're still hearing from a, a person that doesn't have an agenda per se based off of who's the, who they're, who's funding their, their, uh, their networks, who's giving them money. It's just, right. Hey, this is what we believe, you know, and this is why. And I'm just like everybody else out there. I make mistakes too. And Ian, believe me, he's caught me on the mistakes I've made where I've said something. He's like, well, I don't know if that's true. <clears throat> Tano, let me check it out here. So I have him here. He's a good sounding boy. Have him there, but good sounding boy. But it but is, that, it's, it's, that, 
that's go good go though ahead. to have that though because I mean I think that that's probably the one of the allures of a podcast like the video on YouTube and stuff like that and I've had people comment to me on that you know with YouTube you're trying to keep people's attention yeah video does help attract that but you're trying to retain somebody's attention in five minute you know segments yeah. maybe seven yeah. or ten at the most and whenever yeah. I started doing the podcast again so many people responded that man I much prefer long form stuff you can screw up in a podcast whenever I make a mistake I keep it going we don't cut that stuff out it just makes it more personal more of a conversation you're having and uh, I find a lot of people are really starting to turn back on to podcasts over the last year or two than where they were maybe three years ago uh, it completely so because there there you are you're getting somebody's real opinion in real time and and I'm glad you don't cut that out. Same thing with us. You know, I'll say something wrong. I'll be completely wrong. And Ian will call me out right there. <laughs> I, what was the last? I think it was, oh, we were, we, we did get into the, the Neil Young and the Spotify thing and all that silliness going on over there. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I, you know, it's, it's easy for someone to say, hey, you know, don't, you know, get a vaccine jab, then something in your body when he's probably jabbed everything in his body in the world based in the 60s and 70s and right. singing. Like, wait a second. He goes, he goes, he goes, Tom, I don't know if that's true. Let me make sure. Let me, because I, and I didn't know that. Yeah. He, yeah. But come to find out Neil Young did do, you know, he did pot and all that, but he wasn't as big as drug, a drug head as I was thought he wasn't put out on the show. And, and, you know, but that's the thing we say, we stopped it in called him. That's the beauty of that podcast. That's the beauty of me saying, you know what? I can admit when I'm wrong. Okay. He may not have been, been that heroin dealer I thought he was, but you know, Ian said, but he still did the drugs. He still did it, and and I still don't agree with his 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 views of stomping his feet and saying he's gonna pull everything off Spotify if Joe Rogan doesn't doesn't endorse the vaccine. I, I but I said you know I can admit when I'm wrong, and that's when we got him to get segued into leadership. It's like you know what Ian's like I don't think there's ever been a president that's ever admitted that they've made a mistake, and that's when we were talking about Afghanistan. So we rolled into Afghanistan, and it's like you know what? To me, that's the true sign of leadership is a leader being able to stand up there and say, you know what? I screwed up. I made a mistake. Right. And I think in the show, I hope people heard. If they don't, they can listen to our last episode. It is you know you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Put your foot in your mouth in front of people. But do you have the courage to take a step back and say? All right, I screwed up. Sorry, everybody. Bad poop put out there. Let's refix this. And that's the whole reason why in the military we do AARs. We do after action reviews is to see where our mistakes are so we can eliminate them and not do them in the future. But also seeing a captain stand up there and get dressed down by a lieutenant colonel is, is, is well, it's an eye-opening experience. But seeing his reaction and seeing that, he, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, we'll get it fixed, that is, that is to me, is, is something that looks like leadership it's like you know he's not arguing he's not complaining he's not saying anything he's just saying yes sir three bags full we'll get it fixed we won't do it again and you know you're looking at a guy a guy that i had emulated as a private because he's you know he's an 03 or an 04 and he's got his ranger tab and he's salty or even seeing a first sergeant you know and that's very first sergeants don't make many mistakes guys just to let you know that <laughs> but seeing a first sergeant even and i did seeing a first sergeant having a captain is the captain, the company commander, you know, dressed down a first sergeant, not in a way that's disrespectful because you don't. He's a first sergeant. And you don't do that in front of privates, but still in a way where I knew that the first sergeant had made a mistake. Captain called him on it and seeing a first sergeant say, Roger that, sir, we'll get it fixed. There's leadership right there. No complaints. Didn't argue. Didn't didn't say anything that didn't uh, didn't say anything against the otherwise. Didn't try to cover it up. He just said, OK, we'll fix it. Well, 
you know, that's that's leadership. And I, a podcast, if you have a good podcast, I think they do that because the podcast that I listen to when I drive, I hear the same thing. We're not the only ones doing that. You'll hear, you know, I, okay, yeah, you're right. Didn't I, I put the bad information out there and a partner is usually there calling him out on it or a listener will send an email in and a good guy, a guy that runs a podcast correctly, they will read that email and say, you know what? Yep, you're right. You're right. You got me. I didn't say the right thing. And I think that adds more validity to a person and what they're putting out there than somebody that edits out, like you said, and has to be right all the time right. because it edits out all the stuff where they got wrong. And well, that's, you, that's not why you want the podcast. You mentioned earlier uh, Andrew Wilkow. Andrew Wilkow is probably one of the only people on a major airway or, or on the major airwaves that I've ever heard. And routinely, it's not once or twice. He's probably come on five or ten times and said, hey, just want to put this out there. I said something on the show last week, and he'll say what he said, and he'll correct himself and say, I was wrong. This is what really happened. And I, I've never heard another, I don't know, talking head ever do that besides Andrew. And, and maybe that's where Ian, Ian, and maybe that's where Andrew gets it. Maybe it's from, because I said, Ian is the guy that's on my show, Scotto, the Battle on Podcast. Ian, Ian Scotto, Battle on Podcast. He's on, he's on the podcast with me, and he's the one that's always fact-checking. He's the fact-checker, and he'll fact-check. And to say that I say stuff, put my foot in my mouth every show, yeah, guys, I do. You can't listen to it. Everybody, he's always <laughs> there. He's always there checking it, making sure. And I, you know, I said, I just want to make sure that we're putting out good information and we're putting out correctly. Um, but the, 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 the great thing about having a podcast and doing that is that people are seeing it in real time. It's not behind the scenes. It's right. like, okay, all right, well, you know what? He made a mistake, said it wrong. He back, but he didn't backpedal. He just admitted his mistake and now they moved on from it. Now they're continuing on. Maybe that's what I need to do in my life. I don't need to stand up there and bullshit and say that and and stand in front of the man and lie about what I did. I just gotta gotta knuckle up and say, you know, I screwed up, won't happen again, and then don't let it happen again. Right. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out on the podcast side of the house because I'm just I just don't I just don't watch or read enough news or I'm that informed in in some of the pop culture stuff. And we do get into it. I always screw up that. And the rock and roll. Ian's a rock and roll head. And he he's a hairband and we get into that every once in a while too. We have some hairband guys that come on, and um, yeah, I love the music, but I know absolutely nothing about the subculture or the culture <laughs> of it. I screw that up all the time, and the guys just laugh. Man, I even thought I I thought of uh, the the Diamond Dow. I thought Diamond Day from uh, from um, Pantera was still alive. And he's like, dude, he's been dead for like. 10 years. This well, is I'm on shift. To, I'm going to have to correct you there. <laughs> David Lee Roth was Diamond Dave. You're talking about Diamond Daryl <laughs> from Pantera. There you go. We did a perfect example. We talked about Diamond Dave. He's like, it, it, you know, I'm like, man, I just listened to him on Sirius. I just listened to him on Octane. Chris, uh, he's been he's been dead for. And actually, we had Pat McNamara on that show. Okay. You know, Pat McNamara is a big, you know, a big, you know, hair band guy, too. And I, I could honestly, I think I could tell Pat was actually kind of disgusted that I, I got it wrong. I'm like, just lighten up, man. Just lighten up a little bit. But it, it still made the show fun. It made the show fun, and it just shows the realism of podcasts. And it's also why, you know, as much as I, I don't care for Joe Rogan's stuff, and not that I, do, I don't like the guy. I just It's just not my cup of tea. I, I don't, you know, I, he's just, I don't think he's funny. This, but... That being said, I do respect what he's done with the podcast and him, how he does it, 
having both sides on, you know, talking about a lot of issues. Not he's not a conservative. He's not a liberal. He's I, I don't think I don't know what he is, but really makes no difference to me. It, it's it's that he's it's real, and I think he has been the one that has helped add validity to the podcast, but also shown the way of what podcast should go and have everybody on there as much as the left now you know in this particular instant likes to say yeah he is completely you know completely go off on him because we need to cancel joe rogan if you look at joe rogan and, and look at his past and look at who he's who he's backed is if you want to look at politics or look at his guests he's not right in fact he's far from the right as possible right <laughs> I, you know and but that's the thing is he gets all the sides and and it's why also his podcast, you know, no pun intended, trumps, or maybe there is a pun intended there. I don't know. You guys figure it out. He actually trumps all the news media that's out there. And that is, that's to me, as much as I, I you know, I just don't care for his style. I don't care for the podcast he does. I, I really, it's just, and that's just preference. It has nothing to do with him or what he says. Um, it's a, he still does, he still, I think, does it the right way and you know and he's reaped the benefits of it it sucks that he's just with one group because now spotify can kind of hammer him down when he like right now but you know he still does it the right way i think he could have stuck to his guns a little bit more for what's going on right now and mm -hmm. said you know what i'm not a racist here's all this stuff i'm not conservative i put everybody out there right and left um but you know that's that's also i think maybe he'll learn yeah, how can you how can you turn down 300 million to come down i mean i, I don't know what i do in that situation but when you right. do go to a specific organization and they and they got you on a contract they've got you by the balls and yeah. and i think he's trying to find his way out the best he can but um i i think he could have been a little bit stronger and could have stood up to what went on but again that, that being said the podcast he still is the 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 litmus test that a podcast. He is the he is the barometer that you that we measure ourselves by, and um, and try to try to at least adhere to the standards of being fair and being honest and admitting mistakes when we make mistakes on the air, and that's what we should do with all podcasts. To be honest yeah. with you. Well, he certainly shined a light on podcasts too. Uh, there was a, a massive amount of people that started listening to podcasts to see even what it was all about when all this went down that yeah. didn't normally listen to them. So that's definitely brought some attention to the podcast environment. Yeah. And, and, and we all need honestly to keep doing them. And, and I know as this, this government, this particular administration tries to control them where they, they use the words policing instead of censor, same thing, guys, mm -hmm. same thing. We got to point that, you know, just keep talking and don't let it happen. And, and, you know, they can come after Joe Rogan and, and he'll do his thing and, Again, they they Spotify ain't done kick Joe Rogan off. He got his eleven million followers. They ain't he ain't going anywhere. No. But in that case too, focus on him. Everybody else, podcasts keep coming out. Whether you have ten followers or ten listeners, or you have a thousand, or you have eleven million, keep doing it. It's because right. it, it it just I, I think I, I've seen some and I don't know Paul maybe you you've seen the same or not. I've seen some guys make do podcasts. And I don't know what they were looking for, whether it was looking for endorsements, whether it was looking to pay bills with it, with sponsorships, or they just wanted to get it out there. But I think a lot of them don't give it enough time. I think there's some that come out a couple months and, and they find out it actually is a little bit of work, uh, but then it doesn't explode like they think it's going to. That's not how it works. I, nope. I, you know, It was difficult for us. And not say we even have millions of followers. We don't. 
our listeners, we do we do pretty well now, but it was it was a test there for like six months. And Ian and I were like, you know what? I don't think we're gonna I don't know if we're gonna do this or not. Because it's just it's 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 actually a lot more work. Well for him he's he's excellent at it. For me, it was it was more work than I thought it was gonna be. You know, it, it was even though I wasn't doing a ton of work, he was doing most of it, it still was shit. You mean I gotta actually have a schedule now? When I gotta right. <laughs> I think people, if you're doing it, what I'm saying is if you're doing it, you know, keep doing it. Keep doing it. It will gain traction. It may be six months. It may be a year, maybe two years. But it, just don't wait. Give it a month or two and then say, yeah, I'm not getting the listeners or the followers I want. And I'll be completely honest with you guys, too. Our followers on Instagram and Facebook and so forth on the battle line side are not representative of our listeners. So don't ever use the social media as your as your barometer of, right. of seeing if you're successful or not. Because that's not how it works. Just just keep doing it. Don't look at the listeners. Don't look at all. Just do it. And eventually if you're honest, you're gonna find a niche somewhere. And somebody's gonna start listening to you. That's, that's at least I think, I think the the point that uh kind of shows what you're talking about is if you're truly honest, which we talked about how the podcasts are more of a conversation. I think people yeah. are looking for a podcast that they can trust. Well, yeah, just like in life, you, <laughs> that trust is yeah. not earned with one conversation. You know, you have to yeah. build that trust up in that person. I think what you're saying is that, uh, I guess, draw to a podcast doesn't happen overnight. You have to, you have to kind of work on that a little bit. And finally that, that listener is like, yeah, man, this is a good podcast. This guy seems like he's a real deal and probably being truthful in your podcast and correcting yourself has a lot to do with that. You know, you're gonna earn that trust a little bit quicker. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're exactly right. That's, and that's small town, that's small town, uh, small town beliefs that say, I, you know, it's, it takes more than one meeting before I actually trust that person or, Absolutely. or even want to even want them around. I'm a little wary of them. It's, that's well said, bro. I couldn't have said that better myself. You're, or you're wondering you're, what their angle is, you know, just yeah, like what you said about why are they getting in the podcast? Well, the listener's thinking the same thing, you know, this is the first time yeah. I heard this guy. What, what's his angle? You know, is he just a legit <laughs> dude or is he trying to make money? And, and, that's that I that's I think the ones that are just trying to make money weed themselves out. Yeah. Um, you know, when he and I started it, we didn't have any sponsor, we didn't have nothing. It was just, well, let's give it a shot, see what happens. And we weren't expecting to get sponsors. We weren't expect now Ian's been in the game, so he understands you know, he's he worked with Sirius. He worked on David Webb's show. He worked on Andrew Wilcox's show. Uh, Bill Bradley, he was the engineer on Bill Bradley's when Bill Bradley had a podcast. Okay. Or, or had a radio, whatever. I think back in then it was probably a radio show. Maybe it was a serious, it was a, it was a satellite radio show. But he did understand the sponsorship game. I didn't have any idea. I was like, yeah, let's just do it. I, I don't care. Like, just give me another avenue. And like you said before, it gave me more than just that five-minute blip. Or five, yeah, five-minute blip of me to try to say something. I had a whole hour to try to explain and if anybody that's ever talked to me before, I go in circles, and it takes me about an hour for me to explain something simple. So <laughs> to me, it was, it was well, yeah, I, it, this gives me an opportunity to stop doing mainstream media because I hated being pigeonholed as this right-wing crazy conservative. Because I was, guys, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. What? What are we called? I'm an independent. I'm not registered on either. Granted. Yeah, I believe in the Christianity. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Constitution. I guess if that makes me right, well, that's on you guys for putting me in that category. That's what I believe in my life, and that's just how it is, uh, you know. But I, I thought it was more of for me was, well, now I can 
just do my own thing and say what I want, not try to get it in a four-minute quick clip and not be and, – and, guys, interviewers, they're the ones on the, main, on the mainstream media. They are professionals. They know what they're doing. They're excellent at their job. They're supposed to be. So they know it's like corralling, and I'm the cattle. Then they're they're the they're the corral. They're corralling me a different a way to go. So I, I don't say I have no choice, but I'm going to answer in a way that they want it to. And if I'm not going to answer it in a way they want it to, well, I'm not going to be on the show anymore. Right. And it it's right. Just, it, it is. It was it was it was just it, it pissed me off. So I was like, nope. That's why the back three four years ago, I I said no more. I did one last. I did one written interview with a uh, uh, with Fox. Uh, I was a Fox website and I said, no more, I'm not doing it anymore. And I turned everyone down since because it's, it's, I'm not going to get pigeonholed on either side anymore. It's like, right. You want to listen and let's listen to the podcast. And I can, cause I can at least blame myself. And if I say something wrong, I can get fact checked right there and it's going to come out right on the show. So I'm not the, you know, I'm not getting hit up on Twitter or the twatter hey everybody's twatting tano this said this and this and this well shit screwed up sorry and it's already fixed right there i i just think it's it's the it's the 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 way media should be nowadays and you can have all the sides that you want on their sides per se but you're still just getting a person that's right. trying to and, and then if it blows up and it does well and you do get sponsorships to me that's just icing on the cake that's just our endorsements for the show that's just tremendous uh, right. it's, it's worked out that way so far and it may die you know as good as i do paul and might die tomorrow like well nope we're not going to do sponsors show anymore or me and ian got to stop doing it probably not i mean that's kind of up to ian me uh, yeah I, no I, if ian still wants to do the show we'll still do it like we did in the beginning when we had no sponsorships the sponsors have just grown and come to us we we don't really get out there and promote anything mm-hmm. and but it, it, and that's why I tell people get out there and just do it, do it, and right. see what happens. And then if, you know, after a year, if it just becomes more of a burden, all right, yeah, then I will try something else. But give it a shot, more than just a month or two. Well, I'm going to put some links to your podcast out there, the Battle Line Podcast. I'll have that in the description of this podcast, so people can click on it and run over and take a listen to it. Um, oh, thanks. I want want to get your thoughts on the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I think you're going to have a distinctly different view from that most of us have probably heard. Um, just tell me your thoughts on how that went down and what you think. I, I, I don't know if I have any distinct thoughts of what the most people that thought it was a failure, and it was a failure for thinking, because even from the 30,000-foot view, even if you have no experience in the military, no experience in tactical withdrawals or tactics, period, you, a, a six-year-old can see that it was completely screwed up tactically. Just terrible. Terrible. Um, now, to say we needed to be Afghanistan forever? No. I don't believe that either. We needed to – I think every president since Obama has been saying we're going to leave Afghanistan eventually. It was the way the withdrawal was done. And, I, I, I you know, I, I do have a, a heart – a piece of my heart that's in Afghanistan because I, I worked there for – Quite a while, a lot of trips over there and into the area. I love the country. Dude, the country's gorgeous. Is it for those that have never been able to go over? And now you probably will never be able to go to Afghanistan. Um, getting up into the mountains, they're just the savage beauty of them. I mean, they're real, they do. They look mean. They just look short, but like no, <laughs> but it's just gorgeous up there. The, the, I mean, the, the streams and the brooks and the rivers. 
during the spring when the runoff, they look like the Rockies of Colorado. I mean, you can just like, man, I just want a fly rod and go out there and fly fish. It's it's beautiful and how green it is out there. It's just, and even the cities, even Kabul or even Kandahar, even with their pockmarked buildings from all the wars that they've never been able to repair, it's still a beauty in it. It's just because of of the the architecture. It's just, it's what the Middle East in Afghanistan, you can, some people consider it the Middle East, some people don't. Uh, but to me, you know, it's still to me as the Middle East. Out of all the places I've been through, I, I still would designate it that. You know, I'm sorry if any Afghans are listening out there. I'm not trying to, not not trying to, to, to say anything derogatory. What I will say is that even those buildings are still beauty to them. Because you see the history. Like, oh, my gosh, the Russians blew that up. They never mm-hmm. built it. It was a Russian Mujahideen war. And you look at it, and you still can feel like the spirits there. And so when I see the withdrawal, the politicians don't get this. They, they never will. They don't understand that there's the motion that's there, the motion that's left in those countries by people that have served and seen people die there. And, but also have saved lives there. There's, you know, you, I've done both. I've been blessed enough to see both. Um, that when it happens the way they do, it's like you, you do for a second. I had to fight it. I was the same way like everybody else. It's like, why did I miss all that time at home? For this debacle, for this shit, for basically yeah. we just said, take it, we just handed them and not just gave the country back to them, we gave them all of our gear yeah. that they can reverse engineer. Don't think the Chinese and Russians aren't having having pieces of our night vision now that they can reverse engineer, and, <clears throat> which is a tremendous advantage that we've always had against our enemies. Now I don't know if we have that advantage anymore. And I can tell you with the experience, it is a tremendous advantage having night vision where your, where your enemy doesn't. <laughs> it's, right. it's, but... It, 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 yeah, it was, it was very hurtful in the first few days. It, it pissed me. I was, I think I was like everybody else. Not really, I, not depressed, but it was, why in the hell did I miss the Christmases, the Halloweens, the taking my kids to school, the picking them up from school, the, all the, all the games that I missed at home with my kids, taking, you know, missing Valentine's Day with my wife. And why did I miss all those things for nothing? And, you know, I, I, it, I, it, why it took me a couple of days is because, well, because I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm, I'm going to have to find a positive spin off this because I want to help other veterans out there that may not be able to see a positive spin off this. And it, the politicians don't see that. They don't, and I don't think they even care. Um, they, they, they say they're going to do something. Uh, was it? Biden said he was going to pull out at this time. And even without a plan, he did it. And that is a complete failure leadership. That is complete total failure leadership and to utilize you know utilize the taliban i think what do you say we're going to use our taliban as our security element right. as we pull out you kidding I, who uses your enemy <laughs> as your security I mean, that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard even that was made up who made that up who's their spokesperson out there that said oh this might sound really good and then also the air force base giving up bagram which was a tremendous facility which they were never they, every time they tried to beach Bagram in its current state, they got decimated. They being whether it was, you know, whether it was pieces of Al Qaeda, whether it was Taliban, whether it was any other terrorist organization in the area. Whenever they tried to breach Bagram, they got destroyed. It was defendable, and then we had our air cover there, giving that up as well. Um, instead of utilizing it to get Americans out of that area, you know, using Bagram, using the air base, and using the air, having the air, uh, firefighters as cover there. Just it, it was it was it was like a five year old was 
picking how to get out of Afghanistan. And that's why. And well, you know, they were getting uh, intel. Do you think they just ignored the intel? Yeah, I think they just ignored it because it was political. If anything, I've learned from Benghazi, politics will always trump the patriots. They always will. And I'm not talking about the New England patriots. I'm talking about people on the ground. Mm-hmm. Politics will always trump patriots. If if Biden said we're coming out at this time, well, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Even if it costs lives and costs more lives now, having a sec death and a general of the army with some balls or having a sec death and then a, a, a head – who is it? Is it Tilly or Millie was his name? Millie, yeah. Guess. Having him some, one of those with some balls and standing up say, no, sir, this is – no, you're going to get people killed. I'm not back. I'm not going to sign off on this. You're going to have to go – because I'm not go around I me, mean, which he could, you know, as president's commander in chief, he's head of the military. But having a, having a secretary of defense and then also a military elite head commander in whatever theater that was, saying, "Nope, you're you're wrong. We're not doing it that way. No way." But we did. We had a bunch of yes men politicians in office, and even former military guys in office that were politicians that just ignored everything. And and you know, I I, I said I'm. I, wasn't a huge Trump fan. I definitely liked him better than Biden, but he even said, yeah, we're going to get out. And they had a plan. Actually, they did have a plan of how they were going to draw down slowly and get out, which is the way you do it. You, you get out and you utilize your military and the military is last to get out. You don't lead, take them out first and then try to have the civilians try to figure out a way to get out. Right. Because obviously we saw what we did. So it happened, I, you know, and that's where all the Trump haters said, well, the yeah, Trump should have got him out there. Well, he did have a plan. I, I remember hearing that plan, and it was a a slow drawdown, a, a tactical or calculated drawdown. It wasn't just – and it definitely wasn't using the Taliban as, as security, and no. it definitely wasn't giving up Bagram, which were the two main things as a, you got to keep if you're going to get out of there. Um, but – those that argue and say, well, we couldn't have stayed in Afghanistan forever. You're right. I, I agree with that. I don't think we needed to stay in Afghanistan forever. But this should have done it in a way where we were going to lose less people, less of our Afghan allies. That's a big deal. I know politicians don't care about that, but I do. But, you know, those guys fall alongside of us. And I don't not think getting them a, I'm pretty but, sure but, there's not a person who opposed the way everything went down in Afghanistan who, whose argument was we should – we should have stayed. It's not the the what. Yeah. It's the how. How it is. It's the how it was done, and it was it was it was terrible. It was a complete complete. I I keep saying failure. Well, that's what it was. I don't have a stronger word for it. Unless you want to put a adjective in front of failure, you can you do that if you want. Um, we have may have kids listening to the show, so I'll try not to swear as much as I usually do. But yeah, I it, it's it's it is it's and and why on earth now. You know, our, our biggest intelligence assets out there to help us in the global war on terror or fight terrorism or fight any sort of of uh, of extremists out there, it's locals. It's local people. There's not our spies that go in because, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I don't know how talented they are anymore as they used to be. But they utilizing the local information, the local networks there, who in the hell is going to want to help us now? Look at, I mean, if you're in a packet, if you're in Pakistan or you're in, you're in you know, Yemen or you're in Oman and, and we're trying to get terrorists and why on earth you're going to help Americans now when they're just going to leave you behind, let you die. And that's yeah, essentially when you're watching the way we handled uh, Afghanistan. These guys are probably in those other countries watching it go down, kind of side-eyeing it going, holy crap. <laughs> or, you know what? Or saying, 
be honest with you, Paul's saying that's typical America. Yep. I, you know, that's how they do it. They use us, they use us, they use us, and they throw us away. Yep. And that's that's been seen for years and years, years and years and years. It, it's it's gone that way. Um, that's that is hurtful to me because I, when you're on the ground and you're living in the communities and you're, and I did, I, you live, you live with the locals, you shop at the same places. There are some bases that we lived at sometimes in Afghanistan, but still, you know, and still I didn't live on an army base. We still were in the middle of the city and I did get out every day in the city. I knew the best coffee shops and restaurants and, and people to go see the best mystery meat vendors in town. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to know the people and the people, they don't, they don't hate America at all. They, they love America. They, they really do, but they definitely don't when they see us do things like this and they leave their country to, to, to the wolves. And, and now you're seeing massive amounts of famine, which there was famine there before, but not in the ways it is now because that's control. The Taliban has control. You're seeing massive amounts of just, people not having the ability to, to heat their homes or, or what. And I was, I'm not saying that they, brother, they had five-star condominiums over there in Afghanistan. I'm not saying that, but it's a lot worse now than it was when we were there. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the infrastructure. Taliban doesn't have the infrastructure to help people. Even if they wanted to, they don't have the ability to do that. We do where we, yeah, we did bring, yeah, we did bring massive amounts of money over there and we gave it to the wrong people. We gave it to, the Afghani politicians, which is just like giving money to our politicians, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not going to get divvied out as well as it should. I think if anybody doubts, Holly McKay is somebody probably, if you haven't heard of her, she uh, she she stayed there on the ground. She is an independent reporter. She didn't work for anybody, which makes, she makes her, she has journalistic integrity. She has tons of information on what took place there and what took place after and what it's like now. In fact, I think she just came back a couple weeks ago. Um, and she has the ability to go in and out of places because she she's Australian, so she's okay. not American. Um, but anyway, her 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 what she was seeing there is seeing just how how terrible it is now in comparison to even when we were there, and people thought it was terrible then. I didn't think it was terrible then when we were there. Actually, I saw. Like I said I I was coffee shops were working, pastry shops were working, restaurants were going on. Yes, there was a car bomb here there. Yes, there were smaller. There were typical stuff you're going to find out when there's still terrorists hiding out in the woods and hiding out in the, in the, in the Salang province or down in the Hindu Kush. But it's not like it is now, which is the millions more Afghanis are going to die just because they don't have the basic necessities that we provided. Right. Um, but pulling out of Afghanistan the correct way, slow down tactical withdrawal. You know what, buddy? And I'll say this, maybe that would have happened eventually anyway. Maybe that infrastructure failure would have failed regardless whether we came out or not. But why have why be oh why be five for five on failures? You know, at least do the withdrawal correctly, get all of our equipment out of there, help the Afghanis that did help us fight the war on terror that were serving with us that fought alongside us. All right, and then you know, as as a politician, leave them with hey, this is your opportunity now. We've given you this amount of money. If you've squandered it, you squandered it, and that's on you. But uh, you know, at least getting us out and getting us out correctly and allowing the veterans that serve there, allowing them to feel like it wasn't for naught, which I still don't feel that way. And I, I, I still feel like we, we did ha- we did put a seat in with a lot of those people there that they, yeah, they definitely are going to need to fight for their freedom and democracy. And it is a good thing, 
and that all us Americans aren't like their politicians in DC. We do want you to succeed. So I think there is an ember there. But um, also, guys, we did save a lot of lives there. I don't want people, veterans that went there and are feeling terrible about what happened. You know, don't. We, we, I, I still, I still have friends I talk to there, and I have friends that have gotten out, Afghani's, and to see them say, "Hey, those were the best times of my life." And I had one just say that actually on an Instagram post. He got out. He was a ter- he was an interpreter with us in Kabul, and he said those were the best two years that I served was with you guys in my life. Wow. To me, that's a that's a positive. That's right. And so, so trying to find that silver lining, even though it's hard to do, uh, especially with what took place. But that's politics for you, brother. And you've seen it, too. And I know a lot of your listeners see it all the time. Politics are always put first over the people, people and humanity, even though they are normally said we're going to use our politics for humanity. It's normally the opposite. And Afghanistan is a perfect example of that. Well, let's talk about something kind of in that same vein, but more current. Ukraine, what are your thoughts on what's going on over there? And how it's being handled? Well, I think Putin has control, man. <laughs> He's got all the cards. It's going to go the way that he wants it to go. Right. Our our our, our leadership is not strong. Um, it it isn't. Whether you're right or left, I think many people on the left would say the same thing. Again, and that's, I'm 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 not. Guys, just so you have full full information on me, full. Uh, we were shit on by Republicans just as much as Democrats mm-hmm. when we came back from Libya. So to me, say I'm not going to say, yeah, it's because Biden and this, this is a liberal or democratic uh, government that this is shit. I'm not going to say that because we could very well have a, a, a Republican in government and I maybe say the same. It'll come on your show again. If something, hopefully, God forbid, nothing happens like this again. But if it does, we'll come on the show and say it again. All I'm saying is the leadership is terrible and it's weak. And in this world that we live in, strength is everything, whether you have real strength or maybe it's false strength and it's portrayed. But most of the people with real strength will see right through that. Um, I think Putin is, is seeing that we aren't really that strong and we're not going to in Afghanistan. Going back to Afghanistan, I think that was a perfect showing to him that these guys don't have the intestinal fortitude to do the right thing. They don't have the integrity. They don't have the inner strength. They're not going to push back on me. And maybe I'm completely wrong. And if I'm completely wrong, then good. I hope I'm completely wrong. I really do. But I see Russians, I see Putin getting what he wants. And I think part of that is Ukraine, whether it's through diplomatic channels, which he'll, he'll get, because he, he, they're, they, they're stronger in our administration. They are. Or through military channels, which, yeah, Ukraine doesn't stand a chance against Russia. Right. And right now with our military morale and we're more about worried about wokeness than actually merit and and more about ability and and you know really are i don't think we have the ability to to right now especially with the masses that he has unless we've been massing troops in in our bases there in germany um which i don't believe we have uh, we're not gonna be able to, to do anything right now if he decides to go in tomorrow with well he's going in and it's gone we're not getting it back. And the only way we'd be able to get it back, it'd be World War III. We don't want that. I don't foresee that happening. I know people are going that way. That's World War III. Well, if we go fight for Ukraine after Russia has taken over Ukraine, yeah. Yeah, there will be. Do I see that happening with this administration? No. I see Biden and the administration saying, well, damn, that sucks. 
all right, well, what else can we screw up? Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm forgetting about it. Um, I admire, though, I, I did listen to a podcast. I did. I can't remember which podcast it was. Gosh. But I heard the Ukraine leader. And, yeah, I think he was seeing things with rose-colored glasses. But I did admire his his courage when he spoke about, hey, this might happen. But don't panic, Ukraine. He was talking to his people, basically telling them not to panic. Right. Not to, you know, I'm not saying not to worry. He wasn't being, you know, he wasn't downplaying it and saying, you know, this isn't going to happen. He's saying, don't panic. As a country, we will remain strong and we're going to fight and do what we need to do to keep our country. Um, you know, but Ken, I, you know, I, I, and then in the context of also children having to carry guns and children having to train now to just in case there's an invasion, he was talking about that. I thought to myself, it's like, holy shit, how, how awesome is our country that we don't have to worry about things like that. How, could you imagine telling? I could. I'm. I'm trying to think. How could I tell my six-year-old? Yeah, we might get invaded tomorrow. So here's a gun. Let me go teach you how to use it. Right. I mean, we teach our kids how to hunt, but not for a war. I, can you imagine? I just. I. I felt bad. I admired the leader. How he was acting as a leader. I admired. He was still trying to instill confidence. It's like you know, you're going and playing a football game, and you know you're gonna get your asses kicked, but you still got to get out there and fight and play and do your best. Now, I know this is on a level way above that, but that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of a great football coach inspiring his players. We got to still fight. We're going to get this. We still got a chance. You know, we got a chance. But then also in the same breath, having to prepare, telling the families that they're going to need to prepare and their children as well. And when I thought about that, I was like, well, that is tremendous that he's doing that. I think that takes a lot of guts to say that. But then thinking, thought to myself, man, how lucky are we? And we don't, we see that we have all these dang problems over here. We don't have problems. You know, we, we have, weak, we have weak leaders. That's not as a problem, I guess, but we, we don't have to worry about getting invaded. God, I hope we never have to worry about getting invaded. Then shit has just gone to hell if that happens. But um, I, I just was like, wow. Well, the type of context to make it, uh, I guess, ring a little bit truer is occasionally you'll see these posts or whatnot of somebody comparing the size of states and Louisiana to places in uh, Europe and all yeah. that. You know, you're talking about Ukraine being invaded. That's like, I don't know, the state of Louisiana being invaded by Russia or something. You know what I mean? These their countries are the size of our states. And, and you know, and for people that don't know this, actually Russia, I believe on the east side of Ukraine, Russia, Russia rebels have been fighting with Ukrainians for years. So this isn't something new to Ukrainians as well. Guys. Just do your research, guys. Check that out. As a podcaster, I've had to do so, as much as I hate it. I've had to do some <laughs> research, even though I screw things up. I didn't know this. I was like, well, shit, this is like, wait a second. They've been fighting on the east side of Ukraine. It, hasn't been, it may not have been the Russian army, but it's been Russian rebels. And from what I know, working with the agency, those rebels – do have probably some Russian intel people with them. <laughs> to yes. helping them. So, um, so they've been fighting, you know, they've been fighting for a long time. Uh, so I, 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 I didn't make it feel any better, but it's like, man, these guys have always been fighting. Now it's just, does Putin want to go in there and just take it over? Um, if there isn't some diplomatic, diplomatic concessions made and it's going to be on our end, we're, we, we're going to lose this regardless. We're going to lose it based off diplomatic concessions because of our weak leadership or they're going to invade and Ukraine's gone. And then, again, we just are a bunch of talk and no action. But it, the problem is if we want to have action, especially at this late in the game, 
it will lead to a bigger war. It won't just be Ukraine. And so I think we've lost regardless um, whether it goes or not, because the concessions that Putin's put us in and the Russians have put the administration in and us in, he's going to get what he wants. Yeah. And I think that's going to it's going to go. So that's my my view of Ukraine. But the silver lining that I tried to find out of it was, again, being able to listen to their leader, how he acted like a leader, a leader that. I, you know, deep down in his heart, and was God, this, we're going to lose this, but still being strong for his people. And he wasn't bullshitting them. He wasn't saying, we're going to win this. We're going to win this. I don't think he believes that at all, but saying, hey, we're in this still together. Not And not not just saying it on commercials, you know, hey, we're all in this together, we're all in this mm-hmm. pandemic. It wasn't that. It was, we're in this together, people. I'm with you. I'm standing by you. Now, I, maybe he, this was two weeks ago. Maybe in the last two weeks, he got on a jet and he flew to. <laughs> flew to France. I don't know. So if you're like Tano, that dude, he might have been talking big, but he left. Well, if he did, I didn't know that guy. So right. sorry about that. If he did, and he's still there. Well, that that's an ad, that's an admirable quality, and that's what leadership to me is. Well, look, Chris, I appreciate you sitting in with us. Um, I know you got other things to do, but I'm flattered that you would take the time to spend this much time with us. Um, always enjoy hearing your take on a lot of these hot topics. Um, I know we've talked plenty about Benghazi in the past, and uh, I still encourage people, if they haven't seen the movie or read the book, do it. you got some other great books out there. I own them all. Um, so I would encourage people to go take a look uh, at your website. And again, I'll post that link as well so they can get to your podcast and, of course, your own website with your books and whatnot. Um, anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, I guys, just, again, I, I know we get in, the, get in the weeds and everything seems negative out there at times, especially if you're watching the media. It's, it's not. You know, I look at things for a silver lining. You got to, and and we still live in the greatest country in the world. It's just amazing how lucky we are. And our problems that you see out there that are put out on the media, that are put out on TV, they're not as big as, as they, they're made out to be. They really aren't. Just live and love and love your family and, and just do things that you enjoy doing. And, and like you and I talk about, Paul, Bring that discipline, that chivalry, that integrity back in your life. Hold that door open. Say, sir, ma'am, be proper. Treat people how you'd like to be treated. And, you know, the world's going to keep getting to be a better place. Uh, and, and, yeah, it, it turns off that negativity. And so, right. Paul, I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate letting me get on my soapbox a little bit. And I always just, oh, you all got to ask. I don't do a lot of shows anymore, but I always do yours. Just got to ask. Okay, buddy? I really appreciate it. I love your message, and I uh, love you too, brother. All right, man. Love you, bud. Take care and be safe out there. And, and I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you, bud. What a great American. If you have never had the chance to sit down and visit with Chris, you owe it to yourself to do that. The guy is just a knowledge of information, obviously been all over the world, seen a lot of stuff, done a lot of stuff. But a good man, he's just a good American. I mean, I'm proud to know Chris. You definitely want to check out his books. The Ranger Way is an absolutely great book, especially if you're trying to raise a young man to be a man. uh, You want to check that out. Guys, we run a little long on this show. I want to thank our sponsors, Arms Corps Ammunition, the best ammo out there, Rock Island Armory, Right to Bear Arms Insurance, you want to be protected, and, of course, Spartan Armor.